0: Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website stacysummero.com for more on Discernment, that's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. Good morning, good morning to all of my listeners. Good morning to my caffeinated cronies on Patreon. Thank you so much for sponsoring my work. If you're interested in becoming my caffeinated crony for just $5 a month, you get exclusive access to Coffee Sips, which is my faith and lifestyle show. Um, And that you can find on patreon.com slash called and caffeinated. I know that there is so much going on in our world that sometimes makes it really hard to be proud of our catholic faith so i just want to share a little story with you my grandpa who's now 95 years old uh, was telling me this story a couple years ago when he was about five years old he was raised protestant but his mother was friends with a lot of catholic people so they went to a catholic liturgy my grandpa was not schooled in the catholic faith had no idea what the heck they were saying but they were doing the litany of saints and every time they said, pray for us, my grandpa thought they were saying, hooray for us. So he was getting all into it and excited going, hooray for us, hooray for us. And I think sometimes that when we think about the communion of saints, about all the people who have gone before us, it's so good to just remember that we are not alone. The world has always been a tumultuous mess and we are called to be a light in that world. And we have so many people who came before us who are able to inspire us. So um, we've got my favorite Saint, Saint Therese of Lisieux coming up. Her feast day is coming up very soon. And so hooray for us, (laughs) hooray for, for Saint Therese and all of the wonderful saints who have gone before us. So a couple weeks ago, I got to live a personal dream of mine, which was to interview Jackie and Bobby Angel. You may know Jackie as Jackie Francois. She has been in ministry for so long and her husband Bobby has joined her. They also wrote a book recently about discernment. So this is perfect for you guys. I'll link in the show notes to where you can pre-order the book and they co-authored it with another one of my favorite Catholic speakers, Father Mike Schmitz. So I will be grabbing a copy. In fact, I have a pre-publication copy heading to my inbox right now. And I am so excited to read it because this is perfectly in alignment with the mission of this podcast, which is to help you know what God is calling you to in your life. So uh, we're gonna talk in this episode about the quote-unquote prerequisites for getting married, um, how to stay happy when you're single, how to move past the paralyzing fear when you don't know what the plan is, basically a lot of the issues that you deal with in your 20s, that for me, I never had a manual telling me how to do all this stuff. So we're gonna dig really deep into all of that in this Hefty Conversation. As always, stay tuned at the end. I'm going to sing Adoramus Te Criste, which is a beautiful Latin song for you. And we do talk about a few adult themes in this podcast, uh, the marital embrace, so-called. So uh, make sure that if you're listening with little ones around, go ahead and pop in some headphones. Jackie and Bobby, thank you so much for being my guest here on Called and Caffeinated.
1: Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, I have wanted to meet you guys uh, for so long. I think my first introduction to you, Jackie, was a video that my mom sent me when I was really struggling. And it was, I think it was called The Ache of Singlehood. And you were doing like a crazy Hispanic accent. And you were like, so funny and dynamic. And I was like, I would totally be friends with that young woman if I ever met her. So this is Kind of a dream come true, because I've been following you for quite a while, and you as well, Bobby, I know that sounds like I'm a stalker, I'm sorry, (laughs) but I just really admire you guys, so I'm so glad to have you here.
2: When it's it's voluntarily put out on the internet, it's not stalking.
0: (laughs) That's true, and you guys
1: do have like a blog and videos, so... Yeah. yeah to me, that ache of singlehood video, somebody had comment this is when I was actually single. And people someone commented at the end of that video. They were like, I was waiting for her to like hold up her hand with like a ring on it, you know, and I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's possible to actually be single and be happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Life yeah. doesn't start once you get married. And like, yeah, I cause even now as a married person, I talk about Singlehood, And we do that like in our videos and stuff. And we have mm-hmm. so many friends who are joyful singles, even though they might mm-hmm. be in their late 30s, some of them in their early 40s, mm-hmm. um, that it's, gosh, that if God alone isn't enough, like nothing will be ever. Mm-hmm. Because like literally you could die tomorrow and you just don't know if this day could be your last. And so yeah. to live joyfully every day, And also those people, the other key is that they are, they're, they serve, like they serve in Mm. different ways and they're gifts of self. So it's not all about them, but they are totally servant hearts and they are, a lot of them are in ministry. And so that's a lot of joy, you know, to serve and to give. Absolutely. Um, In a culture that's that's very selfish, you know, selfie, selfish and and all about me, that's very depressing when it's Mm -hmm. just all about me,
0: you know? Absolutely. That's such a great setup for our conversation, actually, because um, being in your 20s is a really tough time. <laughs> um, and so I think there's that's a great distinction to make of am I am I living selfishly or am I still being a self, you know, giving up myself while I'm, you know, maybe waiting for God to show me which vocation I'm meant to enter into.
2: Yeah, you mentioned how, you know, our 20s are an important time period and, you know, every decade has its Formational ups and downs, but the 20s, especially right now, it's almost seen as like this disposable decade where, like, mm. I don't really have to grow up mm-hmm. or get my act together until I'm like 30 or whatever. But they, your 20s will set you up for so much greater success or failure depending on what you do or what you don't do.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Totally. Yeah. Before we get too deep into that, I got to ask, what calls have you received from God in your lives, in your lives so far? And what did those calls look and feel like for you?
1: Um, like, obviously, the, the call... Like for us, you know, there's there's a lot of calls. There was like the call to marriage, and then the call to parenthood, and so now the calls are just daily. Like God, what are you calling us to? When we started the ascension videos, it's like God, do you want us to do those videos? And yes. doing those videos, so now it's just like a daily. Um, we're writing a we're writing a book with ascension uh, about discernment, and so oh, you know cool. every every book that like like hey, would you guys write a book about this? We actually got another book offer, and it's just those mm. little. Calls that you're like, okay, God, do you want me to do this? Um, is this going to glorify you, or is it going to glorify me? Like, what's the purpose? So, you know, it's just every, even just every day, those kind of little things. Um, for for me personally, like having you know three kids, um, it you know just discerning always like, God, how much should, do you want me to travel? How much? Um, how much should I be home? And, and thankfully, I can. I have the ability, we have the ability that I can travel twice a month and I could be a stay at home mom and I'm homeschooling. I just started homeschooling our five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that like, for me, that's like the recent call of like, um, you know, just love, I love being home. If I, like literally I could just stay home all day and <laughs> just <Yeah>. read. <laughs> totally.
0: You guys are outnumbered even when there's both of you. So I don't blame you <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I don't want to go anywhere with three children under the <laughs> five. Uh-uh. Like I, yeah, like the thought of going to beach, I'm like oh no, I just someone's gonna die. <laughs> it's so
0: painful? I know, I know. We were at the beach, and my son, my son walked at six months old, and mm-hmm. he was just it, he was just running into the water at every possible opportunity. It was a very stressful week. <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't do it again without the grandparents there.
2: Again, we'll talk about this perhaps as we go and um, in, in the book I really this was like from the heart like this was my like the 20s were my my years of wondering god what the heck do you want from me and perhaps overthinking it well definitely overthinking it and over analyzing it and fearing if I made the wrong choice I'd be mm. forever and now I think the blessing of of a full day of Children and work and all this stuff. I'm not over analyzing. If I analyze at all, awesome. <laughs> if you think if at I all. have if I have time to think, <laughs> that's a, wow, God, this is something new. Oh my God, right? But like Jackie said, like okay, this is a good thing that's come across my desk. But is it the best thing?
3: Hmm.
2: Going to take away from time with the family.
3: Hmm. It's
2: really like I don't want them to ever be resentful for any of our ministry or time away or um yeah, yeah. So just making sure like um I, again I in like the class I teach at an all boys school, and I'm always referring back to c s Lewis and he talked about first things first and you put first things first, you put God and your prayer and all this, and mm-hmm. second and third and fourth things will fall in line and how easily that gets off kilter and so yes, it's a constant like am I putting first things first, and then I'm not gonna stress too much about the other things because they'll they'll work out.
3: Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point is the prioritizing because you can't do everything. You just can't. Yeah, especially I mean, you can try to do everything in your 20s, I think. But then (laughs) once you're in family life, it's like, No, I really, really, really can't do everything. And that's kind of where God steps in. And is like, you know, I've been in control the whole time while you've been trying to do all the things.
1: You know, I really wish it's funny, I really wish sometimes like as a mom or like a married couple, like, you could give single people a look into what it looks like to have a family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you hear friends who are like, I have no time or I've like, you're like, listen, listen, <laughs> <laughs> like when you have no time or you're like, literally, especially like my friends were like working moms or working moms who I have a friend who she's like our homeschooling teacher, kind of that, that woman, she has to, you know, she waits till her kids go to bed and then she starts work. Um, mm-hmm. it's that. So Yeah. You kind of, I mean, I feel like when I was single, I tried to really take advantage of the time. I I think it was because I was surrounded by married couples and with kids that Mm -hmm. I did see, I knew it was going to, that was going to be a lot of your time. So I tried to, in my single years, really be like, okay, I'm going to travel as much as I can. I'm going to read as much as I can and study. Mm -hmm. Like, because I know when I get married to have kids, it's not, I'm not going to be able to do whatever I want whenever I want. So,
2: Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and that's a gift. Like, yeah. we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't go back to our 20s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're, we're doing it with the Lord and, you know, we wouldn't take any of these kids back to the store. Well, I'm maybe
1: even the, the second one. <laughs> 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 she's redhead, so she's nuts. She's,
0: but I wish that our world was such that single people just knew somehow, like, there wasn't this fear, this division of, of like, okay, I got to do everything I want to do before I get married because, that, because after I get married then I'm just afraid of what's going to happen. And I'm going to push off having children until as late as possible. And I'm going to kind of um, like, I I don't know what it's going to be like. So I'm just going to do everything now and avoid marriage or put it off as long as possible.
1: You know what I'm saying? Right. There needs to be a middle. The extremes are I don't ever want to get married because you're going to completely lose your life. You can't do anything. And And then the other thing is like having no idea what marriage is like or the, tales. or
2: the idolization of yes, marriage. The idolizing. Mm. then i'll be happy that's gonna satisfy
1: every part of me it's like listen marriage is good and beautiful but it doesn't satisfy every it, like oh again mm-hmm. only god can heal you only god can fix your problems like like mm-hmm. no person being married is going to just expose all those issues you have it doesn't you know it's not going to fix your issues um and then, and then really, like, even in marriage, what's so beautiful is like that ache gets bigger. It doesn't go away because God's really trying to show us, like, listen, I'm serious when I say, like, only I can satisfy this ache. Mm-hmm. Not even another human being. Now, I will say, my husband is, he is the, um, the hands and feet of christ to me i I,
2: I am the ache yeah you
1: are the ache no (laughs) (laughs) no. Uh, but your spouse should be you know they should show you what christ his love is like and that's what a good marriage should be um is that they show you what god's love looks like it's unconditional um But again, but first things first, we, we both have to love God more than anything. And that's what, when I tell teenagers that, when I say, listen, I love Bobby because he loves God more than he loves me. And they're like, what? You know, Mm. they kind of freak out. And like I say, I love God more than I love Bobby. And that's, they kind of freak out, but it's like, that's what it should be because it it says in scripture, like we only love because he first loved us. Like God Mm. first loved us. That's the only way we know how to love is because God showed us what it looked like to love. Um, and everything we do, obviously it should reflect what God's love looks like. So anyways, yeah, there needs to be this middle of, especially with kids, you know, it's like, listen, yes, being a parent is difficult, but your life isn't over. And Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing. Like the, the joys outweigh the sacrifices, but anything worth doing is, is going to be difficult and going to be work. Mm -hmm. Anything that's worth doing, you know, that's like when, why would people want to be a professional athlete or a professional musician, they have to work hard. And so I, you know, that a lot of people in our culture, just they hate the thought of big families and they hate the thought of like, mm. you know, I had some relatives that gave me crap when I was pregnant with number three, like, ugh. Three kids is difficult, and I'm like, you know, some people have three kids at one time.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend who has triplets. I'm like, girl, you are amazing.
1: Oh my gosh! So like, they, you know, they just they, their our culture really hates children. (laughs) I mean, like, and they just see children as a burden. Like, I'm like, listen. Um, yes, I traveled a ton in my 20s. But guess what? I have kids and I still travel. I still do what I love to do. Mm-hmm. My life isn't over. Um, my kids are are a huge blessing, even though it's tough. So it's like, uh-huh. you have to be realistic of, yes, parenthood is difficult and it's a laying down of our lives. But um, it is so full of beauty and joy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, a quick glory story too. Like I've also seen... And that makes me sad too. Whenever there's a posture of just what a burden to the mm. news of a child, instead of what a gift, what a joy, mm. praise God. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that's a great poverty of like of love. Absolutely. And I, I feel, I feel you know sad because I feel like they don't they don't great like get it. You know, like mercy, Lord. Um, right. But a quick quick story was I just was at a a friend's wedding, and he is a guy that I I taught, who's now it's, it's weird when like. Cause I've been in the school for eight years now. So now guys have graduated college and are living life. And Bobby's a teacher at all boys Catholic high school. And one guy just got married It married, not his high school sweetheart, his like middle school sweetheart. Wow. And like, he like fell in love with her when he was in seventh grade. She was in eighth grade. It was a forbidden love for a year, but, then, <laughs> but, but they, they did it right. Like they, um, uh, waited till marriage. They were inspired by like different like youth ministry pre- presentations, different talks. Um, distance through college made it work. So I also see people that are mature enough and and you know um, just want to start the next chapter of their lives with this person. It's not when I marry this person, my life is over. Mm-hmm. You were like 23 and 24 on their wedding day, and just it was the most joy filled like day.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Everyone,
2: everyone in that church, everyone knew just like, so happy for them. It's like my second, it was my second favorite wedding after my own.
0: Mm, That's so cool. I think statistically they say that the couples who are happiest are the ones who met in high school, not to put any pressure on everybody to like, you know, if you don't fall in love in high school, you've missed the boat or something, but like they the highest rate of staying together is like people who got married young and like really fell in love early on.
1: Yeah. That's really, I mean, cool. yeah, people tell, I've heard, I've seen people write blogs like that, like get married in your early 20s. It's like, well, that's not always an option. for well, yeah,
2: You can't manufacture that. So,
1: yeah. You can't manufacture God's timing. And so like yes. I would have married Bobby sure if I had met him earlier, but didn't meet him until I was 28, you know, mm-hmm. so when people, I, yeah, I just have seen some blogs. where I like, get married in your early 20s. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but if you're just forcing it, you're marrying the wrong person. <laughs> like, so. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, listen, wait on God's timing. And it is difficult in this culture because not everyone, you know, it used to be, you know, back in the day in the 50s or even before that, the culture was all, you know, it wasn't hostile to the faith. And so mm-hmm. you you would find more people in your city or in your high school who had the same values as you. And that's not the case now. So mm-hmm. now it's like, you know, I have to go. Across the country to find the man who it's like Bobby's from Florida. I'm from California, and like even our friend Emily Wilson, you know she had to go across the world. Her husband's from England. Actually, when you were talking about single people, Emily's husband lived with us for six months, and we've had four we've had four single people at different times live with us in our house, and so it's been really fun again, they have experienced what family life looks like, and especially life with toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those four people have all had an insight into...
2: Or like a young adult Catholic hostel. Yeah. We're, we're
1: like, like Catholic <laughs> hostel. Oh my Catholic gosh. For young adults in ministry or like...
0: <laughs> I love that. That's wonderful. So not only are you being generous in opening your home, but then they benefit from it, not just giving them... You know, room and board, but also just the emotional benefit of being around people and being being exposed to a healthy family. That's so beautiful.
1: Oh, and I make sure they all know the, um, they all hear the uh, Jackie, the the Jackie Angel talks about labor and birthing and. and They they come out very educated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Girl, I wish that so many people had... More people had, like, been real with me before I got married about what it's... Now, it's a very individual experience, pregnancy and childbirth and all that stuff. But if anybody ever needs, like, honesty, I will give it to you. Because I feel like so many people were kind of, like, wanting to do the proper thing. It's like, oh, it's a beautiful experience. And it's just very peaceful. And I'm like, "Well, well, it's beautiful, but like <laughs> I'll I'm tell you
3: about after. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> come sit down. We'll have a glass of wine. I'm going to tell you what it's like. <laughs> and if anybody has oh. NFP questions come to me as well, because I wish people had been more real with me also about NFP. They think it's a tough sell. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a tangent, a little rant here, but I feel like mm-hmm. NFP is kind of a tough sell because it's, it's not easy to live. Um, but it is also truly beautiful. But I, I, I think we need like a little more, Honesty and reality about that, and I know you guys are doing an incredible job with that, with your Ascension Presents videos.
1: Well, again, you're, you try to present the middle, and that's what's so beautiful mm-hmm. about being Catholic—it's like, the both and. So of mm-hmm. course, there's always going to be sacrifice with NFP. You have to avoid if you are not in a place at the moment to have another child, um, and you're waiting for a certain time, like a couple months or a year or whatever. You have to abstain. You have to sacrifice. You have to not have sex, and that mm-hmm. takes control. So yes, that's tough, and. Um, yeah, so we try to educate Like, listen, and men and women are made Differently, shocker, right? Um, <laughs> what? I, I, like, seriously, not joke, but like We were speaking to men and women at a retreat um, It was a young married couple um, Retreat a couple weeks ago And I just, it was so funny Like, we gave a workshop about um, What was it called? Like, sexual expect- or, Like, what's appropriate What's you're sexually appropriate in marriage?
2: You're changing body
1: No, you're changing body <laughs> And they all died laughing when I was like, listen guys, you are always horny. And they were like, and then all the women were like, yup. and Bobby's like,
2: what did you say? It's my cross to bear. And I'm like, no, it, it's, it's my cross to bear.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. True, and true, and true. so, you know, guys are always, they don't have a cycle. And then just sharing because yeah. guys need to know that women have a cycle. And there's mm-hmm. when women are ovulating, that's when they are most sexually charged, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and that's not the case the rest of the month. So, just that fact alone is, mm-hmm. I think, helps men understand that women are not like them. Like, we're not built like men. We have, again, we are most horny when we are fertile and we want to have babies. And then the rest of the month, the, the husband has got to be creative. <laughs> 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 you've got a lot, not creative in the sense of what Cosmo said, you know, Cosmo magazine's like, mm-hmm. you know, 100 ways to blow her mind. It's like, listen you know, when you don't have love, all you're left with is technique. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that really, it's about learning how to love your spouse and how to, that's what's beautiful about having sex within marriage versus when you're not married, is that when you're married, you hopefully, I mean, this is why you marry somebody who you can communicate well with and that loves God and loves you, um, is that you communicate with each other what can I do that will please you? What can I do to love you? And especially in sex, which is such a, you know, people don't want to talk about it, but it's like, how can I love you? Um, mm-hmm. And just even the, the simple fact of like, I think I shared this, and they, they looked at me like, oh my gosh, like that Pope John Paul in his love and responsibility, in the last chapter, he talks about it's the duty of the husband because he, his arousal curve is so quick. It's the duty of the husband that his wife orgasms at the same time that he does. And they were, <laughs> the couples, their faces were like, the, you know, you could see all the wives turning to their husbands like, uh-huh, that's right. Yeah. From the Pope. From I the Pope it. when he was a cardinal. You know, in his book, Love Responsibility, that how beautiful to know that men and women are made differently and that even our arousal curves are different, but that that that's what love is, is to love somebody so much that it's not just about your pleasure, what you can get, but it's about, again, loving your spouse. Mm-hmm. And that's easy when you marry a person. Oh my gosh, it's so much easier when you marry a person who, again, wants to love you, who is laying their life down for you. And... And yes, communication is tough. Like Bobby and I had to learn how to communicate when we were engaged, because um, Bobby just is an introvert, and he wanted to go hide in a room anytime we got in a, an argument. <laughs>
2: True, hiding right now.
1: He's hiding right now. Um, <laughs> no. um, but you know, I had to. We had to. I said, "Listen, you're not in seminary. You can't just run to your room and hide. Like you, we, we're we're in, in marriage. We're going to have to talk every single issue." Like, we have to talk Ugh. about this. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. You it's so you can't let, let things go, you know? Yeah, right. You
0: have to... Oh, there's so much over-communication, which is really something that I wasn't expecting. Like, you think you're done with the conversation, at least in my case. You think you're done with the conversation, and then two weeks later, something happens, and you have to sort of rehash it with a little more nuance, and then you have to talk your way around it again with a little more nuance. And it's like, you just have to keep trying really hard to... To make yourself really clear and to really try to understand the other person because there's kind of a feeling like, oh, we should be able to just, you know, we should be able to just understand
1: each other without talking. But that's not, that's not reality. But the issue, our friend was very wise. He's like, the issue is not the issue. So the thing you're fighting mm-hmm. about, this goes with everything. You know, when we, I have people who are like, oh my gosh, my friend is doing this and having sex and doing this. Like, what do I tell them? And I'm like, well, listen, the issue is not the issue. So them having mm-hmm. sex is not the real issue. The real issue is either they have daddy issues, the issue is that they don't know how good they are. They don't mm-hmm. know this. More. So with fighting with their spouse, the issue is not the issue. It's like when you, and this is why in your twenties, getting to know yourself in Christ is very important because the mm-hmm. more you know yourself, like when Bobby and I have fights, we have some quiet time. It's like the silent treatment. But we, we're figuring out in our minds, what is the real issue behind this fight? Yes. And when you know yourself, that's easier to figure out. Absolutely. Versus when you don't know yourself, you don't know the real issue. So it's like there was one argument Bobby and I had, and I like literally had to say to him, listen, I'm not angry because of really what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm getting upset because I'm insecure. Hmm. You know, I, had to, I had to like say that's why this particular thing bothers me is because of my insecurity. So I want to know, I just want to
0: know, like a lot of times people want like very specific answers and maybe you have some and maybe you don't. What are like the prerequisites for getting married? Like, should you, um, you know, you mentioned that there's kind of a middle ground, like you don't need to marry your high school sweetheart and you don't need to marry before you get out of college or right
3: afterwards. But
0: what are sort of the, the prerequisites. When you think like, "Oh, I really love to be married." Like, how do you know you're actually ready to begin dating and begin pursuing someone or being pursued by someone?
1: I mean, I don't think there's like a again. You don't have to be perfect mm-hmm. when you get like that's not a prerequisite. Because no, I
2: think a lot of people get paralyzed by that. Yeah, stuck on yeah. that. Of our generation today, it's like oh, I need to have my job and I need to have my schooling done. I need to have all these things done mm. before I start the marriage race. Mm-hmm. When again, my, again, my former student and, and friend now like get married at 23, 24, it's like he just finished college. He's got a job lined up. Um, so does she. So like they're in motion, but mm-hmm. you know, they got a little apartment and they're just ready to start life together. Mm-hmm. So it's not that um, I need to have everything in a row if it's the right person you're you can't wait to start the adventure with that person
3: mm.
2: and let jobs and houses and and that stuff come later mm. so like you don't need to have it all like all the boxes checked and I, I think i think we get paralyzed with that right now just because of i think maybe what the economy has done and what like the state of college and even like the whole delayed uh adolescence phenomena where it mm. used to be you were twenty. You were essentially a man. Like you were a man. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and now it's this. Like, well, I don't really have to grow up until I'm right. thirty, and that takes a toll on marriage because it's like, well, right. then I'm never really looking to seriously settle with one. Not settle, but like, get one person.
1: Settle down. Settle down. Not settle for, but yeah, like settle yeah, yeah. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So every couple is different. I will say you're discerning the person, and I mean also you're discerning between marriage and celibacy, like if you are called maybe to be a priest or a religious brother, sister, or even maybe a consecrated person, one of my best friends, she is she's taken her first vows. As a consecrated person, it's not a, she's not a sister, but mm-hmm. a like, single, right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. she's with the missionaries of Maximilian Colby. And, okay. and so they're an apostolate and they can either live in the house or they can live on their own and have a regular job, but that's their missionaries of Maximilian Colby. And so, yeah, they're consecrated. Um, it's called a secular institute because they're not like religious sisters. Mm, but uh-huh. kind of, I mean, they try. You know, you see them and you're like, okay, there's something different about these women. Mm-hmm. So you know, when you when you kind of discern, like, am I called to celibacy or am I called to marriage? Well, if you've discerned like you're called to marriage then you're discerning the person and i would say my requisites and i wrote a blog called um the devil wants us to settle in our relationships and that has like a bunch of questions people can ask themselves that are like kind of their simple red flag things like get out of this relationship one if you're being abused or Mm. you know there's like red flags and then there's like questions you need to ask yourself like one is this person life-giving or life-sucking. Like, mm. when I'm with them, and I we all know that, like, we all know, like, that's why we have friends. Our friends who we hang out with is our best friends are the ones that are life-giving, and yes. we enjoy being in their presence. We we feel more ourselves. We feel closer to God. That's, our spouse should be like that, too. Our spouse mm-hmm. should be someone we, we are willing to spend 24-7 with till death do us part. Ugh. And the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he says so much by saying so little. <laughs> and one of my favorite definitions of marriage is that it's a it's a friendship with romance mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. so it's a friendship in the sense that this is a person who you can be yourself around they are life-giving they help you be a better person they draw you closer to god um and then the, the, the virtuous part is yeah they they they, they challenge you they don't yeah. just let you you know, oh, you do you, boo. It's like, no, they help <laughs> be a holier person. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think people, it gives you peace and joy to be with them. Whenever you start rationalizing in a relationship, that's a bad sign. That's mm. a red flag. Mm-hmm. You should never well, rationalize. Well, yeah. he's
2: not that bad. He's
1: not that bad. Right. Because the problem is you always, we always think that there's not someone better. That's going yes. mm-hmm. we'll to come. Why does point of fear. Yeah. Let me tell you, I would rather—and I tell this to single people—I would rather be single and happy with Jesus for the rest of my life than be married and miserable. Mm-hmm. I will say that over and over. Again. I would rather be single than be in a miserable marriage. And but that means you have to be joyful in your singlehood because um, if you want—I yeah, was—if you want to have a healthy and holy marriage, you need to be a healthy and holy person and a healthy and single person. So um, it's, yes. it's
2: hard to give like um, a quick three things because it's, right. it's like it's so tailored for the person and what they're totally. bringing to the table.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Cause I would say on the one hand you don't need to have everything together. On the other hand, you need to start getting things together. So <laughs>
3: yes. because,
2: yeah. because I think we are tempted to just float through our twenties and totally. I'll just do what feels good this week. And maybe I'll do this and whatever it's like, but as Jackie said, you have, we have to know ourselves and we have to be in motion mm-hmm. trying to improve, trying to get better, trying to address What, where do I need healing?
3: You're running the race.
2: Yeah. What baggage am I, I, do I have right now? Am I bringing along? What do I need Mm. to be honest with, with spiritual directors, go on retreats, be forming myself so I'm Mm -hmm. the best I can be when I do enter into marriage? And now I've got another person to be attentive to. And then, especially when little mutant children come along, (laughs) I'm I'm not, now I'm not even second, now I'm third in in the situation. And so, the more work you can do on yourself, as Jordan Peterson would say, make, make your bed, go, like, go, <laughs> yes. make, go make your flipping bed, like get your, get your stuff in order, like at least be in, in progress of that. So that when the right person comes along, you are already, um, advanced or advancing in the race. Jason Everett said, I think the best thing you can do for your future spouse is to be a saint today. Mm. to like improving in holiness again, not have, not be levitating per se, on your wedding day. But oh, like that would be kind of, <laughs>
1: um, That's what I did, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I'll be thinking, well, I'll I'll get to it later. Well,
1: then you never... Yes. Yeah, it's like, be running the race. And that's the other thing that people say, too. Like, run the race, and when you look next to you, and there's somebody running the race with you, that's kind of when you know that's your spouse. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're running the race, you look next to you, and that person, they're not running a different race. They're not 10 miles behind you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's when I knew Bobby was the dude. And actually, our Mm -hmm. friend, uh, Dr. Gregory Botaro, he has a website, it's CatholicPsych.com. He is a Catholic psychologist who does Skype sessions. So if anyone is looking for a Catholic psychologist... CatholicPsych.com, like he does Skype sessions I think that's so amazing because Mm. not everybody is around it knows where to find a Catholic psychologist yes Um, but yeah there's nothing wrong with getting help with therapy um you're giving a gift to your spouse in the future again you could die tomorrow so like that's the thing Is really our goal is to be in eternity in heaven with God and not to have a ring on the finger Yeah, that's not the goal. The goal is Mm -hmm. to be intimate with God. And so let's grow in intimacy with God. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him. And yeah, if marriage is in our, if that's what God's calling us to, then we're going to have our eyes focused on Jesus. And when that person comes, it'll be a lot easier to see clearly. Amen. Yes,
0: I think actually my husband is a really good illustration of everything you guys just said because when I met him, he was jobless. But the reason he was jobless was because he had been discerning with the Carthusian monks, and um, he discerned with them for two months and realized he was not called there, and so he left. And almost immediately, his grandfather died. His mother, his grandmother, got sick. And so he went and took care of her for a year and a half without getting his own career started just cause she needed it. And, um, and so when I met him, he was actually just finishing up taking care of his grandmother cause she got better and he didn't have the job in place. You know, he was an art major in college. Like he wasn't, he didn't have like these glowing job prospects. He didn't, you know, but he had been working on his relationship with God and he'd been giving of himself. And I always love to share too, that, um, I was on Catholicmatch.com and that's how I met him. And if we had, if I had searched, um, for him, well, I was doing a search. I actually found him on Catholic match. And so if he had been living in the hometown where he was from state college with his, his parents, he would have been too far outside the search radius for the maximum distance. But it was, I think it's a good illustration. Like he didn't have the job lined up for a good reason. But as soon as we met, he was like job searching, he was out there looking to see what education he needed to get in order to, you know, provide for me and our future family. And you know, he started school that September to be a sonographer, finished the program, and now he supports us beautifully. He had all the right ingredients, even though he didn't have it all figured out yet. So I always love to share that story, because I think it's a good illustration of what you're saying, like working on yourself and not worrying too much about having all those practical particulars taken care of
1: absolutely right, exactly exactly yeah. yeah that's so cool and yeah exactly for the women listening um because i have had women ask me like do i ask a guy on a date I'm like well you have to give him some cues like yeah men
2: can, yeah can be obtuse obtuse yes the
1: men can be obtuse <laughs> you, you do need to throw <laughs> <button>. good word <laughs> if you guys are interested exactly is that that's if, the right word right yeah obtuse um obtuse. Yeah, if if guys are interested, if you throw them some cues, they'll be like, "Oh, right." If they're interested, then they'll pursue. Right. If they're not interested, they will just kind of keep brushing you off. Or
2: yeah, whatever, you that is. yes. They're not Definitely. just into you. They're not just that obtuse. Not
0: that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Any guy who ever had a crush on me when I was single, I knew it. He made sure that he was showing up to the party I was going to be at. And, you know, and and then there were a lot of times too, where like I wanted a guy to be interested. And so I would throw the hints out there and it wouldn't get picked up on, you know, that the, the invitation wasn't accepted or whatever. And yeah. it was very hurtful. But now I'm like, you know what, what, what a gift. Like he was not meant for me. What a gift that I actually had that solid proof that this wasn't going to be something where we were going to date. And then I was going to get my heart broken or something like that. Cause one of the key things of course, is that the guy, you know, that you are mutually attracted to each other. So it's like, it wasn't even going to happen from the get go. So, you know, it's what a gift that I actually got this rejection, you know, and and rather than having to be strung out.
1: Girl rejection is God's protection. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm going to put that on my wall. <laughs> That's so true. Right before I met Bobby, there are three guys that same thing. Like, I was kind of throwing out the hints and they just weren't responding. I was like, okay, it hurts. It sucks. Yep. You know, let's be honest. Like, obviously, it sucks when someone doesn't like us back. But Bob was like, nope, I got someone even better. And, you mm-hmm. know, when, when Bobby came, I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, like, oh, okay, yeah. this, is, this guy blows everyone out of water. So, Absolutely. by the way, when you said Carthusian, Bobby, I looked at Bobby and I'm like, oh, no. Because this I, Bobby could be a Carthusian monk. Like, you could. Oh. <laughs> If I, if I die, Bobby's gonna go be a monk.
0: <laughs> yes, oh my yes. gosh, Bobby, you and my husband should get together in a room and not talk.
2: That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you guys can have a Skype date where you say nothing, it's gonna be great.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Drink some whiskey together and very, say nothing. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can read a book over Skype together and just in silence, <laughs> yeah, and then
2: when we're done, we'll just nod and turn the camera off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly. Then maybe you can say the office in Latin and then, you know. Well, to
2: to ourselves. Yeah, to ourselves.
0: To (laughs) yourself, exactly. Not allowed. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I always say it's so ironic my husband ended up with me. I'm like, like I did, I was a musical theater major, so I'm like, you know, talkative extroverted you know and I, that that's my usual crowd and so of course you know John wanted to be a carthusian monk and live in silence
1: and then you
0: know, <laughs> he ends up with me
1: <laughs> that's, that's a good dynamic again like i it feel is. like also the women i know who are very extroverted like sanguine cholerics were married to men who are more introverted. you need the balance like oh yeah to the extent like if you look on a scale of extrovert introvert if you're more towards the middle then you need someone kind of just right on the other side of that middle but if you're mm-hmm. like really extroverted, you need a guy who balances you. You need someone who balances you. We have yeah. a
2: friend out here. We have a friend out here who was discerning with the um with the monastic order. The
0: Norbertines, right?
2: Yeah. And, oh, I love
0: uh, those guys. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Had a good experience, but he just couldn't for him the biggest struggle was obedience. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. my life is not my own and, and that whole thing. And then he got married.
0: <laughs> yes. Was, oh my gosh, the rule of obedience in marriage. is so real. <laughs>
2: Like, what was I thinking? He's like, it's harder (laughs) to be obedient in marriage than it is, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wrote a blog about that because I was talking to one of my listeners and she's like, I just have all of these like skills that I love to use and I don't want to be a a nun because if I am, then maybe I'll never get to use them. And like, you know, this rule of obedience might take it away. And I was like, you know what? I have my rule of obedience from my children. Like it's dictated to me what we're doing (laughs) by their needs so much of the time when they're young like this.
1: Yeah. Either way, it's like any vocation that we're called to, we're gonna have to die to self. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, like God, the vocation that He's calling us to, He's calling us that because He He knows the desires of our hearts, and He's given us those desires, and He wants us to have peace and joy and to be happy. Like God, you I think some people think that God wants us to be miserable, and that's mm. not the truth. Because as a disciple. He wants us to bear fruit. And so we can't bear fruit if we're, we're miserable. Right. We don't bear fruit, you know, a tree by its fruit. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you don't want to call yourself to a vocation. Like a vocation literally means that God is calling you. And so we listen to God and then our whole book of, we, again, we wrote this book because it's like, what what is the book called Bobby again? <laughs> Forever, wow. or the one. <laughs> forever, forever was our first book about marriage. Like it's a marriage devotion. So
2: yeah, by the time you post this, I think Ascension's going to start the advertising marketing for it. Yes. It's called "Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry."
0: I love it. Yes, is I, that that's similar to what Saint Padre Pio said, right? Pray, hope, and don't worry.
2: Pray, hope, and don't worry. So we yes. saw it, we plagiarized him. to it um, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, because again, I was locked into this. Like God, what do you want me to do in my twenties? It's really written for those who are bought in to the Lord and want to serve Him, but have no idea how to do that, what that looks like. Again, fearful mm-hmm. of making a wrong decision. It's really like everything I w- I wish I knew in college. Like yes. everything, like awesome. Jackie and I, and we co-wrote it with Father Mike Schmitz as well. So there's
3: oh, love him.
2: There's testimonies. I know he's so attractive.
0: <laughs> I know. As soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, "Oh, don't want that to be taken the wrong way." <laughs> love him, I of, him. We all love I those
2: beautiful
1: Father Mike Schmidt's
2: eyes, I, and I smile. though. Sh- share, oh. share his videos sometimes <laughs> in my class. I don't try to overuse it because that's lazy. Okay. Um, like, oh, Bishop Barron, best teacher we have at the school. Like. <laughs> So I don't, I tried to overuse them, but when I showed Father Mike videos, my students would be like, Mr. Angel, it's like, I get lost in his eyes. It's like, <laughs> boys school. I'm like, I know, kid, I know.
0: He's I know, like, okay, I know okay. how it is.
1: <laughs> so oh it's God. like
2: our our different stories and wisdom we've learned along the way, specifically for young adults you know, mature high schoolers, 20 year olds.
1: Discerning anything, not just vocation, but how to discern anything like a job change, yes. a relationship, vocation. Like, so it's just, it's, it's yeah. I will link, I can't wait for
0: that to come out because I feel like that's a book that needs to be written. Um, I'm actually writing a book similarly along those lines, although I'm way more at the beginning of the process than you guys are. Or if there is a link to pre-order that, I will link to it in the show notes when I release this episode.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's just the question that everyone always has is how do I discern? How do I just, you know, how do I decide this decision and make this decision? So that's why it's it's a big question. Every, I think whenever someone writes a book on the same topic, like if you're writing a book, write it girl, because the different voices like are needed, like yeah, in every yeah. area, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank like, you for saying like, that. That's generous. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: This is a great lead into my next question, which is about um, the fear that I see from my podcast listeners. A lot of people are sort of overwhelmed and they want to know the the plan, you know, <laughs> all in capitals, the plan. And I was very much that way in my twenties as well. And what would you say to the people who are feeling fearful and overwhelmed? Like they don't have any solid plan in front of them.
2: Yeah. And that was me. And I think that was such a large prompting of why I wrote. Um, you know, why would we put this book out is because this was my question throughout my twenties and um, wanting God to just spell it out like a magic eight ball. Mm-hmm. And not realizing again, I think parenting has given me uh, um, insight into God's fatherhood. Of He delights when we make up our own mind. Mm. Like He delights when we use our brains and our gifts and our talents, and we step out, even if I don't have all the pieces together of the map to know where I'm going. Like it's mm-hmm. a tip of the hat of I trust in you, Lord. Even though I don't see where this road is going, I'm going to step out anyway to say, God, I believe you're faithful, so I'm going to get in motion, and I trust that you're going to recalibrate the map if I'm off way off course here Mm you will close the doors you need to you'll reroute me Um, but I'm going to start I'm going to start moving um God's again God can speak loud and clear and bold and you know you know join this apostolate or yeah this is the girl to pursue or
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I didn't get into these five colleges but I got into this one so um Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not sometimes there's several good options sitting in front of me and and God's gonna bless it wherever, whatever path I go. I see that with my own kids. Like I delight when they start learning on their own. They start exploring. Um, they bring me, you know, dead flowers or dead bugs. It's like <laughs> look, they're delighting. They're delighting in life. And and the other thing to that too, I think is we we want to jump and know the future when all we have is the present moment. And Dr. Greg yes. Bataro, um, you know his his. His shtick is this Catholic mindfulness thing. And if you get, you know, it's not trying to co-op um, like, like, like new age, new age stuff. It's really just like it's if it, the mindfulness term gets you, you know, shaken or stuck, insert practicing the presence of God mm. or abandonment to divine providence. Like these other two great spiritual books. If it's all about mm. all I have is the present moment right now where where I'm speaking these words and you're listening or maybe not, and it's it's God is in this present moment, yes. not in this this future that hasn't happened yet. Mm. So I lose that future when I lose the present, and I'm mm. just so caught up in anxiety and fear. And so to be attentive to where God is asking me to be in prayer, in service, in learning, in humor, in the the moment right here and now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the more attentive I am to that, uh, the more peace I will have and the more I'll be able to kind of learn where do I need to go?
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, fear it's like true love casts out all fear. So if, if people have fear, yeah, I would say the same thing as Bobby, like be in the present moment. Um, you need to draw close to God. So the number one thing I would recommend is to get off social media and, so
2: if at least temporary, at
1: least, or just fast, like, dude, maybe only go on social media once a week. And I know this is really hard for people, but I can't tell you the amount of people who tell me how much social media gives them anxiety, fear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, comparison. It's, it brings pride, um, lust, whatever it is. It's like, okay, we need to get our butts off social media for like majority of the day. We, I, I would say go on, fast from social media. Go on once a week and, and get your get your face instead of on your screen, get it in the word of God yes. and start with the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and keep going through the New Testament. And because we don't need the world telling us what we need to be and we don't need to be comparing ourselves to the lives of other people. We need God to tell us who we should be. So yes. that's, I think that's one of the biggest problems is that we don't know. We're, we're scrolling through other people's lives and we're having all this Anxiety, this fear, this um we're not good enough, like look at this person's life, like man, I wish I had this. I wish I was married with mm-hmm. kids, I wish I had this, whatever. It's like, well, if that once you start feeling those feelings, that's a right then put your phone down, go to the word of God, start reading what God has. I mean, I have to do that too. So mm-hmm. I have to realize that I'm just scrolling and scrolling it.
2: Yeah, we, we had a friend who had to unfollow uh Joanna Gaines. <laughs> because she, and she is a blessed life. She yes, has a blessed beautiful. life. And amazing oh, yeah. ministry. but but the comparison to Yes. The temptation of comparison to this quote idyllic life and Yes. And, and, you know, her house is immaculate and blah 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 and my house is a mess. And like
3: mm-hmm.
2: she had to for her own um spirit, spiritual emotional well being, she yeah. had to just kind of step away and right. you know, thank, thank you Lord me. for Joanna Gaines, but I'm gonna step away right now.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, you so, can start to equate virtue with somebody else's highlight reel of their life.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's just like Joanna and Chip have their fights and they have their messy moments. it's like, but you don't see that. Right. And um yeah. So it's just like we need to get off social media, we need to start getting in the word of God. Um and just day to day. That's how the fear the fear and that anxiety it really it's it keeps us stuck in the future. Now I will say mm-hmm. there twenty percent of the population has actual anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. So like, if anyone listening hasn't an, any kind of anxiety disorder, like general anxiety disorder or PTSD or whatever it is, like, go, again, go to a therapist, like, get help. Because yes. I had a girl write me who said, she, you know, when I talk about peace and joy, people who don't have anxiety issues, like, they, when you quit your job, you might feel that peace and joy. But someone who has an anxiety disorder, they can quit that job and still have anxiety. Mm. So, you, those those people they have to kind of learn how to discern even in the midst of those anxiety disorders. So I just wanted like, to throw it in there. I um, had a girl write me, yeah. and I was like, "Girl, write a blog for me. Like, how do you discern marriage when you have a general anxiety disorder?" You know. Um, cool. If you send me that link, I'll put that in the show notes. I don't. I need a rewriter and tell her to write that blog, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't, she's, a, she's afraid to write it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: she's. Oh. She's
3: yeah. having anxiety about writing it.
2: But, yeah. yeah, the whole Mento mori" thing. Remember your death is what that means. It's a Latin phrase. And it's like, you don't have forever to make up your mind to get into motion, to get into action. I did a video recently that I really did for myself, but it's helped other people. It's like, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly.
3: Mm. And that's
2: UK Chesterton. And it's essentially like a stab against perfectionism of like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I'm not going to do it unless it's going to be 100% perfect. And it's like... Yep that is literally next to nothing in your life. Mm -hmm. And so that's usually just a roadblock of fear from getting you into action. And so it's better better that you do it and it's a little sloppy or there's a grammar mistake or there's whatever, at least it's done instead of just being locked in your head. And so yes.
3: mm-hmm.
2: Again, whether that's a relation better, you ask the girl out poorly than never ask her out better that you go to a come and see for a religious order or a college or whatever, If better you go get some information than never just, just yes. keep it locked in the prison of your head.
0: Or waiting until you think you're the perfect package ready to go because that ain't gonna happen.
2: Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's such a great antidote to something I used to feel a lot in my 20s, which was kind of this, this comparison, like everyone had their thing and everyone else knew the plan. And, um, you know, I was living amongst many, many, many very wonderful, talented people who were becoming more and more accomplished in their careers. And meanwhile, I made like this U-turn at age 25, where I'd always dreamed of being on Broadway. And then I did a couple of Broadway national tours and then I discovered it really wasn't for me. And just being without anyone else of faith and going to bath by myself for 11 months, I was like, I've developed so many bad habits. I'm totally backsliding in my, you know, my spiritual life. And I was so hungry and emotionally exhausted. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so to start over and feel like, Oh my gosh, I've wasted all this time. You know, what am I even doing? And I was totally comparing myself to other people. And then I think What's so beautiful to look back on now is like, I needed to have that hunger. I needed to be broken down. I needed to start over and to feel like I was behind everyone in order to recognize that. Well, I didn't need to feel like I was behind everyone. I shouldn't have felt like I was behind everyone, but I needed to be sort of broken of my desire to know the plan in order to let God step in and actually show me the plan, <laughs> which, which is daily unfolding. And I still don't know what it is,
3: yeah, <laughs> except I loving John and problem. my children. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I feel like that's what Bobby kind of shares too about like he went to seminary and kind of his ideas of marriage had to die before like in
2: those, those years in seminary really formed him. Yeah, even before that, like I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. I was the bad example of one that goes to college just because it's what you're supposed to do. Mm. And you know that you can get in a lot of debt that way. And I had friends that um, knew they were doing business or knew they were going to teaching. And I, I was at that point falling in love with the Lord. But had no idea careerize what what I wanted to do. Now, I was an English major, which um, my dad would say, you know, you'll be the head barista uh, with that. But, you
0: know, <laughs> Same with musical theater. Yeah, Welcome but, to my restaurant. I,
2: you know, they were always supportive of it. God's gonna open whatever doors, and yes. again, I just love writing, and here it is, like bearing fruit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, like again, there to compare, are. other people seem to have their act together. Um, mm-hmm. and I allowed God to take me on a very winding. Adventure like after know.
1: college, you were if he was a firefighter for two years. Yeah, cool. And then seminary. and then, and with then, the and then, then after
2: years. that, very competitive
1: mm.
2: um, journey to get that career. Did a one eighty because God had still hadn't left me alone with the priest question, and I said I got to go figure this thing out, and so left the fire department to consider the priesthood, and after three years, really discerned marriage, and then all of a sudden I'm back, and, mm. and
3: mm-hmm.
2: but then. God guided me to a Catholic school where um, I love being in Catholic education. And I see all these random, quote, random things in my life, tools in the toolbox that are are being used for ministry at this school. Mm-hmm. And I see, again, some friends that, quote, had their act together in college, knew they wanted to do business, and are now bored out of their minds. Right, right. Because it's just, they got into it because they felt they had to do it because it's what you do if you want to make money. And mm-hmm. they're making money, but they're not happy. Yeah. And and most of that is because they did leave the faith or left any kind of walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, just what the secular world tells me I need to do to be happy, but it's a superficial happiness.
0: Yeah. 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 I wish I could just tell everyone in their 20s who's anxious about those kinds of things. Like, God is teaching you if you're willing to just learn in this moment. like you're doing great. You're doing okay. Like every turn in the road is going to teach you something. It's all going to lead to something. Kind of like what you said, you have all these random tools now that you can, and skills that you use every day that you had no idea that this is what you're going to do, but here you are. And like, you have all these skills. Yeah. And I, so you were a seminarian for three years. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about religious life. So I am such an advocate. And this is one of my missions in starting this podcast. I'm an advocate of everyone discerning religious life. Like Mm -hmm. at some point, like maybe, you know, from age 16 or age three that you're going to be married. But I, I think that there's far too little encouragement for everyone to discern religious life for the priesthood. And so I just want to be the first to say, like, if you're waiting for, from a sign for a sign from God to discern, like, this is it um, right now, me saying this, (laughs) um, you know, so like do it and, um, and I think it's going to teach you so much about yourself and your relationship with God. It's going to teach you how to listen to him, how to surrender to him. For me, it was really the thing that gave me the spiritual maturity to be able to actually surrender my life, which is one of the most important parts of discernment. And, um, and from there to really understand that I'm walking with the Lord. I'm not just doing what I want to do um, for the rest of my life. So do you agree? I think I, I think I know what the answer is. But do you both agree that you know, that everyone should discern religious
1: life at some point? Oh yeah, I think I think any Catholic should be open to the question for sure. Like, uh, even in my college years, like I was like, God, do you want me to be a nun? Like I, I would love to be married to you. Like you're my bridegroom. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I visited certain orders and just like really, you know, prayed. And, but I realized that wasn't where God was calling me. Um, and so I highly recommend really, it's just that any young woman who's Catholic it's like go, go to a common see. go hang out with nuns, um, mm-hmm. or visit, visit a comment, um, you know, the sisters of life in New York to the Nashville Mm -hmm. Dominicans to the Dominicans, Mary mother, the Eucharist to salts, like to any, whoever, you know, they all have different charisms. And, um, and so, yeah, just go, go visit and see, Like they won't suck you in like they're not going to enslave you and keep you there, you know, without free will. (laughs) And, and, And I'm sure Bobby, you know, Bobby will share with his, his story that like guys like, guys go you know obviously we see diocesan priests um but i guess like bobby what would you recommend for guys like especially i guess the difference between diocesan and religious orders um what would you say
2: well again kind of back to the earlier relationship uh stuff we were talking about it's also something you can't necessarily manufacture
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you really it's one thing to be like closed off like you got your arms crossed like no not me never like to be totally unopened to it is one thing like that's a pride thing
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but to really like know yourself and, and know like maybe no i'm called to marriage and i have the peace cool like great um but i think young people should be open to at least asking and sitting with that for uh, you know a day a couple days a couple weeks just to take <laughs>
1: some years <laughs> yeah one, <laughs> some
2: years. not to like never get off the pot if you really are feeling because I, I get guys that write me that they're they're being called it's loud as day and they're looking to me like for some kind of sign sign or wisdom would be like, bro like you are in sweats right now talking about this like you need to go figure this out like that was me like looking for any kind of confirmation and sign and even if god would give yes. it to you seven ways i'd be like well one more lord one more like not that thing
0: <laughs> right um, it, this wasn't a sign because dot yeah. dot because dot. it wasn't exactly <laughs> yeah. the sign i asked for <laughs> yeah
2: okay one more sign lord one more and then I'll right
0: <laughs>
3: then i'll go
2: yeah um, I am such a better man, husband, father, because of what, um, again, the tools seminary gave me, how it gave me time to work on myself and my own walk with the Lord and meet so many other good, solid Catholic dudes, guys who are, mm-hmm. um, some are now priests, some have baptized our babies. Some, um, mm-hmm. uh, are, were at my wedding party. Uh, some also discerned out and are married and doing great things for the church, um, yeah it's um it doesn't I,
1: take anything away it just adds no you know? no yes. Again, yes
2: especially especially in your 20s where let's say you have not rooted a career or made these permanent commitments this is the time to take risk like this is the time to step out and let god bless you and again he will redirect you if it's not where you need to be
0: yes totally and you're gonna meet i mean i have to say like behind those walls of a convent or the seminary or whatever, you're going to meet amazing people, you know, just, you're going to gain, even if you're not called to it, you're going to gain friends and advocates and mentors. And I have met so many wise, wise nuns. And when they say they're going to pray for you, they are really going to pray for you. Like it's, it's real. And, and there's something so special about nuns that, they're so present. Um, I think that's what struck me when I know when I first started to really meet nuns when I was discerning religious life because most of them are not on social media and so they are present in a way that I think everyone was before social media. <laughs> so you know, so you you feel so heard, and if you're struggling, like they want to help you. So it's it's honestly like you don't even know what God's what adventure God is going to take you on and what great people He's going to lead into your life who you are going to be your your lifelong friends, even if you're not meant
3: to be with this particular order.
2: And Jackie will say too, like with dating stuff, like you met a solid Catholic person. Great. That doesn't mean you're called to marry them. Like you can't marry every solid Catholic person. And so like, <laughs> you're not people, yes, so. <laughs> and so I can have a great respect for the CFRs, but no, I'm not being called to be a Franciscan.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> so I may be attracted to a religious order or that lifestyle, but that's not, that's not a deep confirmation that that's it. That's just a healthy respect. And I have mm-hmm. such a, an amazing Love for the priesthood, but especially as a married man, like I, I know my place. I know where my priorities are. Mm. But I, but I see the relationship of like I need the priesthood. Well, and he's the
1: priest. You know, he's the priest of the family. Like he's
2: mm. yeah. I have to lead them in prayer. I have to you know make sacrifices so to speak. But I see too, like priests need us. Like priests need the laity. Like priests need lay friendships. Priests need people to treat them like human beings to invite them over for dinner um
3: yeah
2: i need to hold certain i you know i hold priests accountable i'll check in with certain buddies from the seminary just be like how you doing mm-hmm.
0: um mm-hmm. which i think is a, like a crazy idea to many of us because we're like whoa no you only ask advice from a priest you don't like
2: no dude yeah. they're you don't hold diocesan, them accountable <laughs> mm-hmm. especially diocesan which sometimes they're they they get placed like lone rangers um yeah it's a tough life
3: yeah
1: Community, Like, you know, they're not in community like the CFRs are, they, they sometimes are, they live by themselves, you know, and they mm. don't have community, so they need community. Um, but yeah, I don't think like, if, if you're open to it, great, you know, again, search out different orders or, you know, seek different priests or sisters or even consecrate people to just kind of see the life they live. Mm -hmm. But especially if God has been knocking on your heart, that's like another level. Like if God's been knocking on your heart, then you just need to get off the pot, like go. Um, Mm -hmm. And just, you know, again, you don't lose anything, maybe except for more of yourself, more of your pride. Um, But you, you gain like I am so thankful that Bobby was in seminary like Mm -hmm. had we met pre-seminary I don't think Bobby and I would be on the same page spiritually and so it took that formation um for us like God knew what he was doing you know oh yeah Mm -hmm.
2: like literally Bobby took a class what was the class called the listening one it was called pastoral counseling yeah and so (laughs) we were all excited because we're like oh sweet we get to learn how to counsel and like fix people's problems and whatever but the whole like first semester was on listening wow you you know you're trying to teach a room full of guys how to listen for a semester it was the most frustrating and funny thing like
1: but as a married woman i wish every man could take that class oh i'm sure but like the
2: act of listening there's there's a youtube video called it's not about the nail that is like perfect for it because it's essentially like most people know the answer they just need to voice it and get it out of no, their head. No. They need to listen and just nod and be like, "That's <laughs> that sounds really difficult." And yeah. like how, because it's like for the man, like for men in general, it's like, "Let me let me fix this for you because I'm trying to be helpful." Yep. And it's not what people need.
0: No, they need to feel heard. Yeah, that's I actually do a lot of um, like, uh, I've been trained and I do some training in active listening and person centered care for people with dementia. And because I work for the Carmelite Sisters, they're one of the orders that I discerned with on my TV show. And then when I discerned that I was not called to their life, they offered me a job afterwards. Um, So that was really cool. So I work with them now. And they've taught me so much about active listening. And so much of the time, it's like, People just need to feel heard. They need the eye contact. They need to know that you're actually paying attention to them. And then the answers will sort of come once they've expressed their feelings. It's already there. So that's that's yeah, that should be like a prerequisite for any boy who wants to be a man. <laughs> yeah. And any woman too. Any woman too. Cause actually, like I do a lot of talking, but I need to work on listening.
1: <laughs> yeah. It would be a class everybody needs to take. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To be a for person. Relationships, any relationship. <laughs> Yes. Yeah.
3: What
0: do you say? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so to, I have two listener questions. Um, and these shouldn't take too long unless you want them to. Um, this is this one's for Bobby. Oh, by the way, I had a lot of, I, I put out on Instagram. I was like, so excited. You know, the angels are coming on my podcast. Like, do you have questions for them about discernment? And I got a lot of people messaging me and they're like, I can't think of questions, but I'm just so happy to, you know, I'm so excited for this episode and ah, there's like this just like I just wanted to say
3: wow <laughs> you know so um. I
0: yeah I only have two actual listener questions for you but a lot of excitement um so this is for Bobby um how did you know that you were first called or sorry how did you know that you were called to marriage and not the priesthood did you fall in love with Jackie first before realizing your vocation was marriage or did you know first that you were called to marriage and then fall in love with Jackie
2: good question i think it was um i think god definitely beckoned me to follow him on the road of priestly formation like some i got a question when i laughed I left a girl asked me she, "Do do you think you confuse the call to holiness which we're all called to with the call to holy orders and um Hmm. i never thought of that once in the whole journey so for me i I, it struck me because i never thought about it i had to answer no i did see some guys though that thought in order to be a holy man i must be a priest for them Mm -hmm. holiness meant priesthood it didn't mean like when in reality like we need holy husbands we need holy wives we need people again who are integrated and doing their best with the lord it doesn't equate i must be a priest Mm -hmm. um so for me i think i was just lord i i believe and i really saw through friendships and and what he was doing i was indeed called but i think god is is a trickster sometimes and
3: humor
2: and so about halfway through i I was in uh three years and about a year and a half in, really the marriage question started coming up like i think this but you know i'd I'd finished that year and went in my third year and had a really great spiritual director that year who I was just, you know, blah, I told him everything and was able to really see, um, the way I'm built and wired and, and, um, really accepting like, you know what? I think marriage is really a holy road. It can be, and it needs to be. I think that's where I need to be. And so no. in that accepting that and accepting this is, this is where my road's going to be going, um, prayed for a very loud sign that was loud. And blonde, and you know <laughs> whatever the Lord wanted. But uh, we met Jackie because we had met before. We met a year and
1: a half earlier. So actually, a year and a half in the seminary we met. Which, at a theology of the body. Uh, but I was,
2: I was, I had scales over my eyes. I was in my own deep like discernment woes. And oh just, yeah, there was
1: no second my thought, Yeah, though.
2: my second year was rough. I was just happy a girl was acknowledging me. When um, <laughs> we, we. When we remet a year and a half later. It was like
1: this is the end of your third year of seminary.
2: Yeah, it was like whoa, like that's that's my wife, and mm. thankfully it was mutual. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't some one-sided. weird creeper seminary <laughs> for my wife, and you are like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> it was, you know, it was so it was so easy the way it started unfolding that I did question it. Like, um, it can't be like it's you know this has been like my twenties have been consumed with this. There's no way it could fall into place this easy. No way, Lord. Mm. And my spiritual director was like, you just got to receive the love. Like, don't mm. overthink it. Don't pass it by. Don't think you're unworthy of it. Cause that was the yeah. thing you like, you're you thinking like you're somehow, you don't deserve this kind of love. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was like a movement in my heart towards marriage that was confirmed with Jackie.
1: Yeah. And then, and then he, when he talked to his Bishop, like he's like, Bishop, I met the girl I want to marry, and his bishop just starts laughing and goes, "Oh, Bob. Well, we all kind of thought you were a crapshoot for the priesthood, anyways." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "We were making we were making bets to see if you'd make it to ordination." So they all knew that he, uh, he, was, he was always very honest with the people around him, even his bishop. They, got, they all knew his struggle with like, yeah. "Don't I feel like I'm called to be here in seminary at this moment?" But I, and again, you're discerning every day.
3: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: and, and Father Mike Schmitz has talked about this too. Like every day, if you wake up in that day, you're like, all right, I'm still called to be here. Then good. And then, but there might be a day you wake up and you're like, I don't think I'm called to be here anymore. You know, it's like, but every, you take one day at a time.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like, kind of similar in a relationship too, is that there's a lot of times that in, are in, in relationships, romantic relationships where you feel that turning point and you're like, oh crap. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it might be a fight you had. It might be whatever, but you're like, I don't feel peace in this relationship anymore. And I think I need to break up. And sometimes it takes us months to break up. Um, but, you know, we, it we shouldn't, it should, you know, we should realize like, okay, I,
2: I I'm rationalizing this or whatever,
3: but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's,
2: so I don't know if I answered it fully, yeah, I but I did. You, yeah, again, it's, it's a mystery. This is like, even John Paul, II talked about like his call to the priesthood for him was even a great mystery. So, mm-hmm. everyone, even in, in the writing of this discernment book, it's tough to be like, here's a manual and take these five steps and totally. you'll be solid. Like Toast. It'll be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, You will not be perfect. You will still be a work in progress. Absolutely. And
0: yeah, I used to get so frustrated when I asked people like, how did you know you were meant to marry someone? And they'd be like, well, you just know when you know. And I'm like, that's not an answer. But you know what? Then it happened to me. And I was like, I just knew. (laughs) Now I'm that person.
1: (laughs) You hate hate when people say, you know, when you know, and you do, you just, you know, (laughs) right? because when
0: you're young and you're like, but I, what if I don't know? Like, what if God's sending me the signal and I'm somehow missing it? And it's like, that's not how God works. God doesn't send you signals that you could possibly miss. He only wants to send them to you and to communicate with you in a way that you are going to understand because he made you. So it's like, it's it, like you said, kind of a
1: mystery and you'll just, I think, yeah. I think what that means, you know, when you know, because it's like for the first time you feel like you're home. Yes, like, ah, uh, okay, this is what it feels like to finally yeah. be just like relaxed in a relationship, to be myself. Like I don't have to pretend mm-hmm. to be somebody else. I'm not like, totally, yeah, it's like, I'm not rationalizing. Like, ah, oh, this is what it finally feels like, you know, and you know, because it's like, man, this is, it's not that it's like so easy. Like you don't ever fight or you don't ever, but it's like, again, there's a peace and mm-hmm. a joy that you're like, oh, wow, okay, this is what it feels like.
2: But I, you know, I felt that with the seminary when I did a come and see halfway through college. And then when I restarted the progress or the process after um, the fire department, it was like, this place is home. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. but it just is. And Yeah, um, totally. And again, God rerouted me when it was the right time. But I, I had to go that, that road. And he gave me that peace as confirmation to say, Keep walking this way.
1: Yeah, it's like a job too. Like there are jobs that at the moment. Like for me, um, there was a job that I took that I felt peace and joy, and then a year later, God was calling me out of it. So mm-hmm. that's why it's like one day at a time. You yeah. know, You're yeah. Just day and you're not just doing like what, 20 years in the future it's like okay it's one day at a time so even with my job i i felt peace and joy taking that job and i knew that's where god was calling me and then i i when i started feeling like every day when i went to work i felt like i was going to throw up um <laughs> i was like okay god you're calling me to something else and sure enough, he was calling me to do this full-time ministry of like speaking and traveling and speaking or sorry and singing um yeah. and yeah, so it's like one day at a time. Yeah, you don't, don't get so caught in the future, right? And don't overthink it either, because it's
0: it's going to be simple when it happens. It's just you're you're not there yet.
1: But well, yeah, what it what it requires is a relationship with God yes. and listening and just sitting with God, sitting in adoration, and that's what as single people. Man, I had so much time when I was single. Like I, again, I just I I would I've been I'd been going to daily mass since I was eighteen. Um, I would go to adoration frequently. I would read scripture every day. I would read spiritual books every day. Um, and so I just, again, had a lot of time to listen to God. Now as a mom, we don't have a lot of listening time. He's like, 15 minutes here while my child is sleeping or whatever, you know? I know. I'm like, how many Bible verses can I fit in?
0: You know, how And then I'm like speed reading the Bible while like trying to drink my coffee and speed read the Bible before my children like get into a fight. And it's like, that's not really how I'm supposed to read the Bible. (laughs) So it's like, okay, God, I'm trying. I'm trying.
1: (laughs) That's That's mom. life. (laughs) five minute prayers God having a relationship with God is you know is obviously the key in Mm -hmm. intimacy with God but he is the goal nothing else is the goal our vocation is not the goal our goal is intimacy with God Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's always the goal and we have to remember that that everything else is just day by day we take a day day by day totally
0: love that lengthy and wonderful answer to that question that was awesome um and I do still have one more listener question I haven't asked the second one yet which is um Uh, this would be for both of you, I guess. Um, Any tips for those going into ministry or advice? Now, I I think it's just specifically for youth ministry, although if you have any advice for anyone who wants to be a speaker, I'm sure they'd love to hear it.
1: I would say always be a disciple first. Your ministry is not... I think sometimes when we do ministry, we think like, Oh, this is my holiness. Like, this is my, like we kind of replace it. Like I'm doing holy things. Therefore I'm holy. No, Mm. you know, like there was, uh, there have been quite a few people like youth ministry just happened where they're like, they've gotten in serious trouble or like they're looking at pornography or they're, you know, like they're just because you're in ministry doesn't mean you're you're holy. So it's like mm-hmm. you have to be a disciple constant. Like again, um, that would be my first thing. Whether you are a speaker, whether you're a youth minister, is you need to keep growing a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Doing ministry is not the same thing as being a disciple. Um, so. Awesome. That would be my thing is, is just keep growing your relationship. Make sure that your relationship with God is priority and it's not your ministry.
3: Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And your ministry is God's. It's not about us. I think too often we make that even for me, like when I post on Instagram, like, okay, what is the point of this post? Am I glorifying Mm. myself? Mm. Am I glorifying God? What is the point? And you know, I don't know. It's like, I even struggle with that on, on Instagram. It's like, okay, Mm why am I posting this? What's the purpose? What's the point? Right. Um, I want, I want people not to follow me. I want people to follow Jesus. And so I hope I'm pointing them to Jesus and mm-hmm. you know, that could be through the beauty of like a child's, my kid's face or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, I don't know. I love like home renovation stuff, but it's also like this. We're just real people. But again, I just want, I want people to follow Jesus. So I yeah. don't know what you say to people in ministry.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to be said. Um,
0: I know. It's like the last question bombshell. Yeah. You know, like you could take this any direction.
2: Well, for the first hour of this three hour presentation,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, you know, read the, read Soul of the Apostolate. Oh, so good. By a French okay. guy I can never remember. Um, Dom Baptiste
1: Chautard is his name, right? Dom. Dom, 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 Dom. <laughs> yeah.
2: Soul of the Apostolate. Also, The Read of God by oh, Carol so Hauslander um Uh, read
0: or r-e-e-d
2: r-e-e-d read of god essentially like the read of a musical instrument got it you are you are the instrument you're not the breath Mm. god God is the breath um Mm -hmm. those books really one is very much i'll say i'm christ-centered read of god is very mary-centered Mm. Uh, God is the source of all thing of all these things. If anything, if any ministry is effective, it's because of our attentiveness to our own spiritual life, as Jackie mm. said. It's got to be overflowing. It can't be a stage where we're trying to get affirmed. It can't yes. be um, again a trophy or something we're doing just to prop ourselves up. Um,
1: totally. Yes.
2: Yeah, I had one other thing, but it's gone.
1: Oh, and I oh, will oh, say.
2: Oh. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Just and the numbers are not everything. Like numbers, yeah. numbers can be a sign of life that maybe something's effective, but we think we can re, we can do the model better than Jesus did. And Jesus uh, took Jesus took 12 guys and they were all knuckleheads and they all left him and they all like, so there's wisdom in forming small groups of people. And that's kind of what um, a lot of these current apostolates really like focus and some other, they try to do with like, you're forming small groups of leaders and so that they will eventually go out and form other people so it's the spiritual multiplication method where if i'm just talking these giant room event-based stuff great but what's the fruit
3: yeah
2: right Um, so be attentive to like is it actually sticking because Mm -hmm. i had some i had youth ministers and core team members invest in me and show me the time of day and that stuck with me. I wasn't just coming for events. It was like they knew me. They were showing up to like sporting events. They came, a you know, like the youth minister came to lunch at my school one day to see how I was doing. Wow.
0: Like, yeah. Again, they cared about you. They showed you yeah, that they were invested in you.
2: Yeah. And, yeah helping me, like, overcome, like, the Bible's scary. It has, like, cubits and other weird
3: words.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, we're just going to start with the gospel and get you, like, okay opening the book, and we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah, I'd say you can't give, and that's what I learned from Soul of the Apostolate. Um, There's this baller quote from St. Bernard of Clairvaux that says, Mm -hmm. Too often in ministry, we're like channels of water where we, we, pass, um, we pass information or grace from one source to the next, but we need to be like reservoirs where everything we give, we fill up our reservoir first and everything we give is an overflow. Hmm. Because if we're like if we're like channels, we don't retain a drop for ourselves. Once we give, we're like completely dry. yeah um, so he says you need to be like a reservoir where you are filled and everything you give is just overflowing from you. So you can't give what you don't have um and then i would say if people are listening to this and they because i get probably the number one thing i guess how can i be a speaker how can i be a speaker and Mm -hmm. harris offered said something i love she said if you're not willing to serve within your five mile radius then you're doing it for the wrong reasons Mm. so every single speaker i know they're only speakers on a stage in front of thousands of people because they started a lot of them started in youth ministry we were youth ministers with you know five people listening to us we're, we're serving in our local churches we're serving so if you're not willing to serve at your parish if you're not willing to serve within your at your college or in your five mile radius then you're doing it for the wrong reasons you're doing because mm. you want to be seen and want to be you know like totally we yes you need to make sure we have the right motives and that motives is to lead is to lead people to jesus christ and not to ourselves mm-hmm. um, so I know that's <laughs> that's probably pretty harsh, but like... Again. No,
0: it's good. It's really good to hear. Because like I noticed, like I've identified in myself, to be totally honest with you, that when I started out, I was almost equating it to like my career as a Broadway performer. It was like, I'm on a stage again, and this feels really good. And I get to yeah. talk to people about Jesus. And then it's been... And I really think that God is, has placed my the beginning of my ministry was really like the month before I had my first child. And I think that God did that for a reason to like really put limits on me so that the only way that he's going to use me is to the extent that I surrender it to him. And so that's been a really big growth curve for me is saying like, no, God, I, or yes, God, rather, I put my family first, like to go against that natural inclination that I have to want attention.
1: Yeah. And, is. and the other thing too, I, I will say like, we just need more, Obviously, we need more disciples. And if God is calling you to have a YouTube channel, to have um, a blog, or whatever, we just need more voices. But you need—we mm-hmm. need disciples first because people can smell hypocrites a mile away. Like yes. we can smell it when people yeah. are just all talk and they're not living it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but but we but we need more people. I mean, we need more people proclaiming the good news. So, mm-hmm. just because somebody already has a blog or has a YouTube channel, it doesn't matter. Even if Bobby and I, again. If if Bobby and I make a video on something, and ten billion other people make the same topic, they're not going to sound the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your story, so, your unique yeah, perspective. Yeah.
3: Everyone needs to mm-hmm. share
1: their story, and 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 there are going to be people who don't listen to us that listen to you. You know, there's going to be people. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mother Teresa said that she's like, listen, we're all needed in the kingdom of God. Every we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all needed, um, mm-hmm. and every victory of mine is a victory of yours, and every victory of yours is a mm-hmm. victory of mine. We're all we're not. It's not a compl- it's, we're all doing this together for the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ. So, yes. Oh my gosh.
0: And yeah, I mean, just as far, like what you're saying with start, just get started. Like this little podcast that I record on the um, bench of my husband's Bowflex, because that's the quietest place in the house uh-huh. is, <laughs> is like, it's growing, but you know what? It started out and it's like, I got two downloads today. You know, it's like, I was like rejoicing over those little downloads and now it's growing and taking a life of its own. And I'm so happy to see that. But like you said, numbers aren't everything even like to just get started felt so good. And to, and to just like get that first listener reaction where I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you for your podcast because like it helped me realize this. And I was like, okay, this is all worth it. So just, just do it. Like just start and it's not going to be perfect, but yes, do it.
2: So do you, like exercise ever like while you're recording
0: <laughs> you no know, because it'd be so loud and noisy but you know that'd be a really good way to get buff. because most of my recordings are like an hour like we're going on an hour and a half right now which is pretty yeah. pretty baller and um if i had been exercising this whole time that would have been i would be in such good shape like your dance instructor jackie from
3: <laughs>
2: there. Ripped. You're like, why is she out of breath
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're so, so emotional emotional <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I so appreciate all of your words of wisdom. I think this is going to be such a hopeful and encouraging and like a good kick in the butt as well for like anyone who needs it in their twenties to, um, to just encourage them to follow that as well. So thank you so much.
1: Thanks again for having us. It was so great talking with you. You as well. God bless.
0: I'm so appreciative to Jackie and Bobby for the, their generosity of time As you know, this is a very long episode. I'm going to link to all of the awesome books that they talked about, the blog posts we discussed, as well as the link to pre-order their new book, Pray Decide and Don't Worry. If you are wanting to make somebody's day, you could leave me an iTunes review and you can follow me on Instagram if you want uh, some updates in between our called and caffeinated episodes here. I'm at Stacey Summerow and you can subscribe on my website, stacysummerow.com for all the details. All right, God bless you guys. I can't wait to be back in your inbox in two weeks and stick around. We're gonna sing a little Adoramus Te Christe, a beautiful Latin song, which means we adore you, O Christ, and we praise you because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. God bless you guys.